0: Welcome to the Deadly Divas. True
1: crime stories and investigations. We're your hosts, Michelle and Brie. Back to the Deadly Divas. We were originally going to be publishing part two of the Jennifer Kessie investigation. Um, However, there is a story that has come out in the past couple weeks that is currently ongoing and we wanted to cover it um, today. So we will put out part two of Jennifer Kessie next week. But in the meantime, we want to cover this case, which is the Gabby Petito murder she was found just about a week ago and it's a really crazy story more information is coming out literally by the hour
2: he doesn't pick up the phone his family doesn't pick up the phone but when he does pick up the phone he picks it up to hire an attorney how quickly did he do that
3: I don't know how fast he did. And, and that's some of the questions that I have. You know, like, when did you get an attorney? Did your parents aid in abed you in a crime? You know, all this other stuff.
2: What was your reaction when you heard he was refusing to speak to the police?
3: I screamed. I screamed. I, my wife couldn't even console me. Like, I thought the worst. I thought the worst. That's my baby. That's, that's, I, I, you know, I was 20 years old when Gabby was born. She saved my life. I was going the wrong way in life. You know, made me the person I am today. So I, I, I broke down. I was crying, screaming, screaming, screaming. And then I composed myself, and I, I got to get her home because he's not helping. I'm not allowed to contact him. I'm not allowed to, 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 to be anywhere, whatever, go anywhere near him. And, and, and if I did, all it's going to do is stop me from the, the primary focus of finding Gabby. So I, I'm doing what I know best, get, bring my daughter home. That's all I can do right now. Let me do a
2: hypothetical here and, and flip the, the table. If this was the other way around, and you had a son that went off with somebody's daughter and came back without her, and the family called you, wouldn't you pick up the phone and answer it and tell them everything you knew uh, to to help explain the situation?
3: All right, so let's let's expand on that a little bit more, right? So my son comes home without his companion who lives in my house. Remember, Gabby lived there, Right. so if he's back at the, you know, so my son's back at my house without the person who lives in my house, and, and, and once he gives me an explanation, I'm on the phone with the parents saying, we got a problem because I'm a good person. We got a problem and we got to handle it quick. And whatever the problem is however the scenario is, you know, I, I teach my son and my, and my youngest son and Gabby to stand up for your mistakes. All right, if you do something wrong, you apologize and you take what's coming because that's what decent people do. Obviously, they skip that role in parenting. If she's hurt or worse, I I hope they get what's coming. And that includes his folks, because I'll tell you right now, they are just as complicit in my book. That is not how you raise a child you raise your children to stand up and own up to their mistakes. As a man, that is what I do. As a father, from father to father, he should be doing that too. And I'm sorry, I understand protecting your kid and all that other stuff, but right now, in my opinion, you're a coward.
0: So to start this case, to give you some background, Gabby Petito and her fiance Brian Laundrie had been living together with his parents at their Northport home in Florida and they decided to go on a trip together they redid Gabby's van that she had to make it like so they could live out of it and go cross country camping hiking all those sorts of activities and she was going to kind of keep a travel blog about their day to day life and where they went and all that
1: yes they were really intrigued by the man life. Gabby wanted to make a blog and document their travels. She did upload a YouTube video um, on August 19th, and it was just kind of like a vlog documenting their travels so far. That video has literally gone viral now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was really working on her website, nomadicstatic.com, um, which is not, like, it's still password protected. It's, it was never published. She was just working on it, um, and that was one of her goals, and um, posting a lot on social media, taking these really amazing photos, like, just beautiful pictures. Um, and they seemed like just a really happy young couple and adventurous and carefree, Um, but I can't
0: imagine that living in a van with anyone is easy. She's not gonna wanna post about the not-so-beautiful things in her life. Like, she wanted it to look happy and beautiful, and we'll get to it later, but you know, the footage they have of them, she's defending him and whatnot. So I think looks are very deceiving, and I don't think everything was as it appeared on the outside.
1: Right. Gabby was last seen on August 25th in Grand Teton, Wyoming, and, um, August 30th, she sent a text to her mom that said no service in Yosemite, but they weren't even going to Yosemite, um, so her mom thought that was kind of suspicious. And he came
0: back to their hometown without her in their van, and- It was her van. That's what, well, yeah, her van. He came back by himself, no explanation to where Gabby was. And immediately, his family hired a lawyer. Super suspect. And then the hunt for Gabby, obviously in hopes to find her alive, started. And then recently, they discovered her body. So it is now a murder investigation. And Brian Laundrie is the main suspect currently and he is also missing. They didn't
1: inform her parents that she was missing, and September 11th is when her parents called the police to report her missing, so he had 10 days Mm -hmm. to hire a lawyer, hire a lawyer, sit in his cushy house, and be comfortable, have AC, eat his snacks, do whatever he was doing. I don't think he was doing that. I think he... Personally, I think he left September 1st. Oh, yeah.
0: I think, I think he, he got
1: was... the heck out of there and got a head start on the police. He had, like, a 10-day head start, basically. Not actually. He didn't have a 10-day head start. He had, like, a... uh, He had a 16-day head start because his parents... First of all, his parents never told the police that he was missing until September 17th. They had come to the house to ask to speak with him, and that's when his parents informed them that he had gone on a hike. Yeah. um, In the... A hike across the border. They said that he took their car and drove it to the Carlton Reserve and went on a little hike. And they haven't seen him since. Right. What's strange about this is the parents claim that they went back to the Carlton reserve to retrieve the car. They found it there and they figured, oh, we'll just leave it here just in case he needs to come back home. And I guess there was a note on the car asking, um, for it to be moved. And, um, you know, the parents left it there for him. And then when he didn't move the car and he didn't come back the next day, the parents just casually drove the car back home, failed to mention to the police that he was missing still. So, It's pretty safe to say that they knew their son was, like, on the run. And they pretty much helped him get away. I was going
0: to say, I think they helped him the whole time. I think they packed him a bag and said, let's get the heck up out of here. They already hired him a lawyer Mm -hmm. and were willing to hide the fact that he had probably left how much longer before that, knowing that he was a suspect in an investigation of a murder. Which I guarantee you, when he came home, he said, hi, Mom and Dad. Um... Whatever reason he gave them, excuse, 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 nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. I murdered my girlfriend. What do I do next?
1: I think he probably told them that
0: she did something like violent or aggressive, and that he was just defending himself. Oh, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I think he probably told them we were get we got into an argument. I just she was hitting me I just pushed her to kind of like push her off of me in self-defense and she hit her head and I don't know what to do and I'm really scared which I think that's BS but I'm just saying I think that's what he told his parents yeah for his parents to be like okay we're gonna help you son instead of oh I murdered my girlfriend in cold blood help me because I think any parent would be like uh no like we're turning you in
0: well I feel like any sane parent would also say it was an accident, we're gonna to go to the police. Even if you hire a lawyer for your son, you go to the police. You don't conceal the fact that he left her dead body in the middle of nowhere, came back if it was an accident. They would have said, okay, I get that it's an accident, but we have to tell the police what happened. We can hire a lawyer, whatever, and then like go from there. I would never conceal the fact that somebody, I loved, my kid, my spouse, whatever, murdered someone regardless of if it was self-defense or whatever
1: right and not only that as parents if they had any bit of compassion or empathy they would have reached out to gabby's parents or just said you know we know where your daughter is this is where brian last saw her right um you know this is the area they were in blah 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 because not only is that the right thing to do and the human thing to do, but it's also strange to me because, like, Gabby lived with them in their own home.
0: Like, she was like a daughter to yeah. them. They were engaged to be married. That's And that's the crazy part to me is the moment I found that out, I was like, these people also probably have their own issues then because for you to conceal that, I guarantee you they pro- she probably looked at them as secondary parents to her but obviously they really didn't care that much about her if they're willing to not say anything about her disappearance and hire a lawyer and not talk to her parents because they have to take some responsibility too because she was living with them like her parents are like okay we're trusting you to kind of keep an eye out for our daughter because she's living with you with your son and then your son takes her on a cross country trip and comes back without her mm-hmm and also,
1: Gabby was really close with Brian's family, mm-hmm. um, specifically Brian's sister and her children. She wrote them postcards while they were traveling and signed them, Love Aunt Gabby. She was part of the family. They, Brian and Gabby knew each other since high school, so yeah. for, for them to just disregard her and her parents and how they might be feeling is just... Um, It's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. I can't even... There's no
0: other words for it.
1: And not only did her parents say, like, they had reached out by phone and email and text to try and get a hold of them. I'm worried about the kids. Do you know anything? What's going on? Where's Gabby? Kind of thing. His parents didn't even have the decency to return their phone calls or their text messages. I I just... I mean, nothing. In their statement from the Laundry family lawyer it said this is very difficult for both the Laundry and the Petito family. And I was like, what? Like, no, it's difficult for the Petito family. Your your son is safe and home. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that's just really messed up. But anyways, so um, her poor parents are like on um, CNN pleading. They're on Dr. Phil pleading. I mean, this story blew up in the media everybody has heard about this case and if you haven't heard about it it's probably because you haven't been watching the news or on social media
0: because Mm -hmm. it's everywhere and i think part of what made it blow up was another event that occurred in like their timeline of disappearance whenever you have a case
1: that has body cam footage or somebody that is
0: active on social media that posts a lot of photos and videos and then they go missing in the middle of that it's very people can keep like a timeline so they feel like they can follow along right and what happened to that person which is i think partially what makes it so polarizing Uh, mm -hmm. because of the active presence and the footage they had and people are like wow, you could literally see days before she was last seen mm-hmm. like her posting these happy videos and pictures with him and posting on her blog, like that is crazy. And I think that's partially what makes people like, where did it go wrong?
1: And people also, when they're watching videos of victims that go missing or are murdered, they start to f- to get to know the person. They start to feel like they're friends with them and yeah. that they know each other. And you can get to know someone that way. Um, but it becomes to the point where, like, you almost feel like you're there.
0: They were pulled over on August 12th by Utah, like, police department because of a domestic violence call from another person, not one of each one of them, but somebody called and said a woman or a man was seen slapping a woman.
4: Grand County Sheriff's Office. were you able to get a description of the Hi, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, right, uh, I'm calling I'm right on the corner of Main Street by Moonflower and we're driving by and I'd like to report a domestic dispute to Florida with the white van Florida license plate, white land gentleman on five six beard. They just drove off. They're going down Main Street. They made a uh a right onto Main Street from Moonflower. Or What were, what were they, they doing? Cooperative, but um what'd you say? What were they doing? Uh, we drove by and the gentleman was slapping the girl. He was slapping her. Yes, and then we stopped. They ran up and down the sidewalk. He proceeded to hit her. Hopped in the car, and they drove off. Okay, you said um, it's a white van. White van? I give you the I can give you the license plate. Just give me one sec. I took a okay. picture of it. What kind of white van? Like a big one? Um, it was a smaller van. With the license plate of it was white, Florida license plate. The make was a Ford. Model was Transit. Black ladder on the passenger side. The black ladder passenger uh, side. White Ford Transit. White Ford Transit. And where did they? So they turned. They headed south on Main Street from Moonflower Market. Correct. They made the right turn. Also, oh, they went north. North. Yeah, sorry, I'm not from around here. Okay, are you so you're right there by the post office? Right across the street, yep. Okay, and and when they turned onto Main Street, they went right or left? Right. Right, so they went north. North on Main. Alright, I will let somebody know, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Bye. Thanks.
0: So basically the police ended up coming and the two of them were on the road. And when you, if you watch the body cam footage or you've seen it, the police are like, so why did you not stop when you saw us behind you? And Brian was driving the car and he was like, we were clearly following you and you could see that we were behind you. We turned on the lights. You kept going. You sped up. I actually had to speed up to catch you, which to me is suspicious. (laughs) Um, I think everybody kind of knows you don't speed up when a cop is behind you. You slow down, if anything, even if you don't think they're after you. Just kind of common sense. But he made some sort of excuse on the body cam footage. But it ends up being almost like two hours of them with the police on body cam, going over a domestic dispute that had occurred between the two of them. His names,
4: Gabby, Brian. Gabby, Brian. Okay. What's going on? How can I I'm sorry.
5: We've just been fighting. Yeah, I don't know, it's just, some days I, <laughs> I have really bad OCD, and okay. I just, I was just cleaning and straightening up the back of the van before, and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean, because sometimes I have OCD, and sometimes I just get really frustrated, I'm not, like, mean towards him, I just, like, I guess my vibe is, like, I, I
2: be me, like, in a bad mood. I was just saying, I'm sorry if I'm in a bad mood. I've just been really stressed. I had so much work I was doing on my computer this morning.
4: What do you do for a living?
2: Um, well, I, I used to work at an organic juice bar, but I just hit my job. Okay. I was a nutritionist. That's oh, what, okay. That's my job. That's cool. And I just um, quit my job to travel across the country, and I'm trying to start a blog. And okay. I just have a blog, and stuff. so I've been building my website. So I've just been really <laughs> stressed, he doesn't really believe that I could do any of it. Just kind of
5: been like a, I don't know. He's like, in, down there. I
4: don't
5: know. We've been fighting all morning,
4: and and
1: he
2: wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car?
3: Because you, because you're OCD. Told me I needed to calm down. And yeah. I didn't get bit, I didn't get overtly physical. I was just trying to keep her away and, and not get hit. And then I got really loud, and like that's probably drew everyone's attention. Where I was going. And, you know, back up! Get away! Just give me a. Okay, so yeah, so I, you said you pushed
4: her to create some distance, obviously, yeah. right? What happened after that? What got what got the scratches on your eye? The phone. The phone. Mm-hmm. So you push her and she hit you? She was I wasn't I it wasn't like a push and she jumped on me. She was she was already she was already I don't want to Swing. she was already swinging. and I was pushing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of angles, a lot of nails, a lot of rings. Yeah, you got yeah. I'm fine, and I look good.
3: I hope she doesn't have too many complaints about me. <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, I, I feel bad that I did get so public. I was just trying to be loud and to do this. business, you know. To try to make her calm down and be like, look, everyone's watching. Okay.
4: I've decided I am not going to cite you for domestic violence battery, okay? It was only going to be a Class B misdemeanor. However, the domestic violence portion of it enhances it. Makes like a major pain in the butt, especially at your 22, right? So well, I'm choosing not to cite you today. I'm not gonna release you guys together. I want you guys to stay away from each other tonight, okay? She's agreed to it. Take some time to yourselves. You guys both have the exact same story as to what led up to the incident. So taking some time tonight, I specifically. Really taking tonight away from each other is going to be the major breaker in all of this. I think that will help you guys, especially tomorrow when you guys meet up. Just try to not contact each other unless, like I said, first chattering, something happens, you guys have to jump in the car right now and drive back to Florida to something happens to
6: parents. Utah police released this body camera footage showing their encounter with Gabby and a boyfriend before she disappeared. You saw some of that earlier in Evan's story, but here's more. A witness called officers after seeing the couple get physical. And tonight, domestic violence experts looked at much of that video as well. Fox 13's Brown Ardano joined us now live with this one in Tampa with their reaction. Hi there, Brown. I know this certainly shows a lot of tension between the two. And, Mark, officers ended up talking to both of them separately and ultimately did not cite Gabby with domestic violence. And tonight, uh, those survivor uh, advocates tell us that there's a lesson here in checking in with others.
3: What was it you were attempting to accomplish by slapping? This
6: body camera footage from Moab Police in Utah shows officers talking to Gabby Petito before she disappeared. A witness called officers about a potential domestic violence situation on August 12th after seeing Gabby and her boyfriend, Brian Laundrie, argue and get physical.
7: She talks about her mental health issues, um, her OCD specifically, and that uh, you know that there was that there was some tension between the two he acknowledged tension between them so you could tell that that this was an escalating situation Clara
6: Reynolds with the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay tells us remotely they handle calls all the time from people looking for help in domestic violence situations Reynolds watched the body cam video and says it's important to trust your gut if you see something so at least at this point there is
7: recognition that within a couple of weeks of the disappearance that there, were, that there was at least one interaction that demonstrated that there were some issues between the two individuals.
6: The video also shows police asking Brian about the scratches on his body. Officers did not charge or cite Gabby because she says she didn't intend to harm him. But what Mindy Murphy saw in the video paints a different picture of Gabby being the victim. She works with domestic violence survivors at the spring of Tampa Bay. So.
2: it it was not unusual to hear her taking responsibility for her behaviors and kind of, um, you know, and him not taking any responsibility for his. I tend to think that probably there was a lot more that he did to contribute to the situation than at least I saw in that first 20 minutes.
6: The couple was separated that night for their safety. Domestic violence experts say the video shows how important law enforcement training is in those situations. But it's really important
2: that law enforcement knows what they're doing, that they give a potential victim um, space to be able to safely
1: uh, talk about what's been going on. The 911 call of the um, person that had reported seeing this domestic violence that prompted the police to catch up with them in the first place wasn't released until after the body cam footage was released. And in that 911 call, it clearly states, he clearly states that the man was slapping the girl. But... They don't, the dispatcher never relays that information to the responding officers. So the responding officers are basically going off of hearsay and they can see that Brian has visible scratches and marks on his body. When we say so, scratches,
0: they're like tiny, okay? It's not like she clawed his face and left a whole claw mark down the side of his face. I think
1: like when when the media has access, to footage like that, it makes their story so much more interesting mm. to like play that on a loop while they're reporting the story and things. So I think that's one of the reasons this case blew up. Another reason is because the parents were very vocal in the media and got the media involved right away. Um and another thing that I think really drew people in was the fact that it's not like, oh, a body was found and we know who did it. It was like this girl's missing. And then the next day, it's like, oh, someone spotted her van, and here's the footage from that. And then, oh, the next day, oh, we found her body, and here's the footage from that. I mean, there's footage for everything. There was a new, um, there was a new revelation unfolding every day. There was new developments constantly.
0: Well, I also think it's crazy because literally getting pulled over by the police for a domestic disturbance on August 12th, like, Had they been able to separate them better? And I do think they did a good job, like, watching the footage. Like, they did what they were supposed to do.
1: They should have recognized that she was in an abusive relationship and she was
0: covering for him, though. Because it was so obvious to me. But you can't recognize that. And, like, I watched it and that's not... Like, she has the mark. So, as a police officer, you have to go by, one, what the parties are saying and, two, what the visible evidence is. And even if you have this weird feeling that you think something's off about him, you can't put that in a report and be like, well, I just felt funny about him. So I decided to arrest him.
1: But what you can't do that? No, I know. but what's really <laughs> sad about it is that they had they had a witness saying that he was the aggressor. That information wasn't relayed to him. And so he had to rely on exactly what you said. He had to rely on what you know, was evident there at the scene. However, it just it seems ridiculous to me to think that she was an a danger to him.
0: Like I think so that's, that's bad actually very dangerous of a that's like a very dangerous statement to say because a lot of men experience domestic violence. And the whole idea and premise that men don't report it and why they get injured by their partners is because nobody believes that a woman who's so much smaller than a man would be violent to her. But if a man is a respectable man and is not going to hit her back, regardless of her size, she can do damage to him and it is still considered abuse. Mm-hmm. It's not okay just because she's 100 pounds. No,
1: I know. Wet. I'm just saying I I just, I she was shaking. She was sad. She was scared. It, she was making excuses for him even when they pulled him over and she immediately said oh I'm sorry I was distracting him from driving like it was like she covered for him oh he hit you well he didn't really hit me oh well what did he do well he grabbed my face like this I don't... it's just she was making all these excuses I for him get because that. she was afraid
0: I get that and I told you when I watched it that I felt like she was covering for him and they were in some sort of bad relationship where he manipulates her into believing everything that happened is her fault but watching the footage and not having like any sort of background in like psychology or anything like that people are not going to know that if you've never had to experience anything with domestic violence you're not going to know that so i had friends who watched it and they were like well she's the one that scratched his face and like maybe he didn't kill her like maybe she got mad and went off on her own because watching that body cam footage If you don't know things, like you might have assumed that she is the aggressor and that she's the one with the problem, but because you and I know things like, and we have a little bit of psychology, sociology background, like we're able to be like, he's obviously being manipulative. She is trying to defend him. She's very upset. She's trying to minimize what he did and downplay everything, even to the point where she says, oh, well, he was just trying to keep distance between us and positions her hand on her face almost and what I told you looked like a chokehold grab which is not appropriate and she tried to just say he was trying to keep distance but you and I recognize that as she's minimizing what he did and he probably grabbed her by the throat yeah and that's aggressive
1: and, and okay and I do think that that's how she died I think that she was strangled yeah but honestly I think that because she was put in the back of the police car, and she was left with the van to fend for herself on her own. I understand they couldn't put her in the hotel or whatever, but it just seemed like he was treated so much better. He was out there chatting and laughing with the officers. Meanwhile, she's, like, distraught in the back of a police car, and then the police officer comes over and says, I've decided not to charge you with anything. Like, it just seems seems backwards to me. So I
0: watched the whole thing, and I don't agree. Like I have to I had to deal with people coming in for domestics all the time and like see firsthand how they acted and what the attitudes were and how the police treated them. Mm-hmm. They treated her perfectly well, and separating the two of them is what you're supposed to do. Leaving the girl who's panicking and crying and possibly about to have a panic attack in the blazing sun is not what you would have done. You would have put her in the air-conditioned back of the car to help calm her down. If she starts having a panic attack in the blazing sun, it's probably going to be worse. She's going to pass out, and then you're going to need EMS there. So you do sit her in the AC van, give her water, let her cool down, and you have to talk to them individually.
1: No, I know that. Them. No, I know that. I just feel like he should have been the one in the police car, because that's... He he being specifically sat in
0: a police but car... But he specifically told her when he sat her in the car, he goes... You are not in any trouble. I'm just letting you sit here so you're out of the sun. I'm just letting you sit here so you can calm down, be in the AC, drink some water. He specified that to her. Right. Telling her to sit in the back of the van and not specifying that and being aggressive with her would have been another story. But he wasn't. He was very calm, Uh cool, collected, told her she wasn't in any trouble. He was just letting her get out of Uh the sun and he had to separate them so he could kick up both of their stories.
1: I imagine it must be and difficult for those officers now knowing what's transpired and they're probably thinking did we do the right thing? Did we say the right thing? Could we've handled it better? They are under investigation right now like that whole um call is under investigation and you know understandably so um but you can't go back. I mean, hindsight's 2020, 20, of course. But um when that video after that video surfaced, more videos started to surface. And one was this family, these YouTubers, traveled the United States in a RV with their kids and their pets. And they were in Grand Teton National Park on around the same time. And on August 27th, they drove past their van. They drove past Gabby and... Gabby and Brian's van mm-hmm. on August 27th and they didn't find out until they went back through their footage to edit it and they freaked out and they brought it to the attention of the FBI right away and they posted it on social media and her body was found a four minute walk from that van where that van was seen on the, on the footage and if it weren't for them releasing that footage and finding that footage, they probably would still be looking for Gabby's body.
7: Um, So go ahead and tell me, I mean, I know it's been a long couple of days, but talk about this trip that you've been on and how you just
2: came across this footage of Gabby and Brian's van. Yeah, I mean, we live full-time in our our bus, so we travel the country full-time and we had just ended up needing a place to camp for the night and happened upon the Spread Creek camping area. And when we pulled in, we've got double GoPros. So we have one that faces front and one that faces my husband while he's driving. And as we're going in, he talked a little bit and totally forgot to shut the GoPros off. And the GoPros just keep rolling. And we pass by their van or a white van. And the white van had Florida plates. And we were excited because like, we're Florida, you know, hometown Tampa Bay. And so we wanted to stop and talk to them. But they, uh, the van was dark, it was all closed up. It really didn't look like anyone was there or somebody was sleeping. And so we just kept on going. It was very, very busy in there. So we just turned around, came back, and then went up to the front gravel lot to park because we couldn't find anywhere else.
7: So how do you kind of, I know that you're, you're a vlogger as well. So you're going through all your footage. When is it that you really learned about the search for Gabby? I'm sure last week when all of us did. But when was it kind of that aha moment?
2: Yeah, I mean, we had heard about it, but um, the timeline just didn't add up. The original timeline to when we were in the Tetons for one night. And and so we didn't think twice about it. And then Saturday evening, I was editing our Sunday video that was coming out the next day. And I just needed to take a break. So I went and got my phone. And as soon as I got my phone, I got a notification that says... Um, I was tagged in a story and the story was saying that if you were in the Tetons on August 27 please look through anything you have think back to that and she was like Jen I think you were there and um, we were I went I was like oh my gosh I'm editing the August 27 footage right now and I ran to the computer pulled out my footage, scrolled through it, and lo and behold, Gabby's van was recorded in there by a complete accident.
7: How did you even feel at that moment when you saw that van, knowing that you have possibly, well, now we know the piece of evidence that was really needed?
2: Um, I was just, in that moment, like, relief just washed over me, um, because I could give this to their parents, to Gabby's parents, and say, hey, here's the van, go do whatever you need to do. Like, I was just so happy that we caught that on camera and were able to give that to them.
7: You very much, I mean, Gavi, I'm not sure if she ever saw your stuff, but she was trying to follow a lifestyle that you and your family are living. This case is not ending the way that any of us wanted it to, but just knowing that you're able to give the family at least closure and possibly some information for whatever is gonna develop over the next couple of days. I mean, it almost feels like you were meant to be there at that point in time, your camera was meant to be rolling.
2: There was so many things that were just coincidence that lined up for it to be kismet, I guess. And we were just at the right place at the right time. Um, and so thankful that we were able to capture that.
7: That area, I'm down here in Sarasota right now from Tampa. How would you even describe that area to people that aren't from that area, that don't know those national parks, have only lived in Florida or
2: different towns their whole entire life? It is a very desolate area. Um, Cell phone service was not good. We barely got any signal while we were there personally. Uh, and it's very dense. Like there's a lot of bushes, there's a lot of trees. All of the off-grid, like camping sites, are tucked away behind different trees and bushes and stuff. So you're very separated from everybody else and kind of secluded, even though like it was very packed.
7: So um, with with the footage, did you call the FBI right away? Or I'm not sure how much you can actually go into some of the stuff with the investigation. But what did you do immediately when you saw that and kind of heard about this?
2: We found the footage at like about 12.05 and um, we called the FBI at 12.08. I had to look up their number, called them. Um, I was shaking. Like I was like, listen, I have found the van. You have to do something. Like I need to talk to somebody. Like I knew it was her van. And they were like, well, we're gonna direct you over to our website where all the tips go. And you just upload your video there. And if they need any more information, they'll call you. Incidentally, it was Ethan's birthday when we found the footage. We lost Ethan back in September of 2011 in a car accident. Uh, We were on our way to Disney for his um, seventh birthday. And he would have turned 17 yesterday. And I fully believe that Ethan had a hand in um, bringing Gabby home, for sure. I just want to say that Gabby's family is so amazing. I've talked to her mom and her dad. Such wonderful, kind-hearted, beautiful people that um, I am blessed to to know uh, they are just, they're hurting right now. And I think, you know, we still need to be focused on finding Brian and, and anybody that still has clues or was in that area around that time, or have they seen him in Florida. No clue is too small. If you think you have video footage, send it in. Like we've got to get the rest of the answers for this family.
1: So, a drone spotted her. Once they found out where the van was seen and what day it was seen on, um, they put some drones out in that area and they found, they found what looked like a body and they um, went out and sure enough, um, it was her. And the autopsy results came back to confirm that it was her and that the um, cause, well, they don't know the cause of death, but the manner of death was um, confirmed to be homicide. And we're waiting on a cause of death. Mm-hmm. As far as cause of death goes, my initial theories were that it was either, like, they were fighting, he kind of snapped, shoved her, and she hit her head on something and died. Yeah, you were died. Like, force trauma or strangulation? Exactly. Basically. Or strangulation where they were fighting mm-hmm. and he just had a... Gra- I don't really feel like it's a premeditated, like, planned out murder where she was stabbed or shot or anything like that. No. That's just a... That's just, it could be, but that's just a vibe I get. I think because they were in a tumultuous relationship and they were fighting all the time and did get aggressive and physical with each other, it's easy to believe that he just snapped on her and killed her and then panicked. Um, he didn't even bury the body. Like, he just friggin' left. Like, I, like, he just, um, I don't know. Lots of people are saying they think that it was premeditated,
0: um... I'm not sure. I don't know that I think it was premeditated either. Do I think he's a garbage trash human being? Yes. Because if it was an accident, he literally could have just called the police, Um, but I also don't think it's premeditated. Like I definitely think they got in some sort of argument and I think he is abusive based on like the manipulative behavior and what we saw in the videos. So I definitely think he probably did do something and get physical with her because he was willing to put his hand around her neck earlier. So why not shove her down?
5: Hi, my name is Miranda Baker. And on August 29th, my boyfriend and I picked up Brian at Grand Teton National Park at 530 at night at Coulter Bay. Um, I'm hoping this can help someone identify him because I saw him from TikTok which then made me call the authorities and um, my boyfriend and I have been in contact with a bunch of different people to help um, piece together different parts of this case but we picked him up at Coulter Bay like I said at 530 he approached us asking us for a ride because he needed to go to Jackson which we were going to Jackson that night so I said you know hop in um, he hopped in the back of my Jeep we then you know proceeded to make small talk um, but before he Came in the car he offered to pay us like 200 to give him a ride like 10 miles so that was kind of weird um he then told us he's been camping for multiple days without his fiance he did say he had a fiance and that she was working on their social media page back at their van um then once like in conversation i brought up yep like we're going to jackson um he freaked out he's like nope i need to get out right now um, you know, like pull over. So we pulled over at the Jackson Dam, which I don't know if you're, um, if you know, like Teton Park, but it's not very far from Coulter Bay. And if this does like reach people, I can post pictures of, you know, exactly where we were, we picked him up and the whole route or whatever and like screenshots of like the timestamps. We dropped him off at 6.09 PM on August 29th. Um, he kind of like Hurried out of the car and then he's like, Okay, I'm just gonna go find someone else to you know hitchhike. And we're like, Okay, um, it was a weird situation. So when we picked him up, he was wearing a backpack, he had a long sleeve, pants, hiking boots, and he had like scruff. Um, but he didn't look dirty for someone who was camping for multiple days, like, he didn't look dirty, he didn't smell dirty. So that part was kind of weird. Um, and I'm just really hoping that they find her in this. This helps someone, like, remember seeing him or, you know, something like that.
1: Protesters are outside Brian Laundry's home. Tons of people. News reporters.
0: It's... What? No, I was about to go, and Nancy Grace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a cha- It's a chaotic scene, okay? It's a chaotic scene, basically. It's absolute mayhem over there outside the house. They're basically insinuating that, like... Brian left during Stepped that out in the middle of the night. Yeah. Brian left during this. and that's just absolutely impossible
0: because you, me and Nancy Grace think he left a lot sooner
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think he left way before the media was ever involved. Yeah. and no one bothered to check to see if Brian was in the home. A police, yeah. I mean, no, no police bothered to check. And when the sister was interviewed like weeks later, she said, I haven't been able to speak to Brian. I wish I could. And that was a clue that, like... He wasn't there. He's not there. Yeah. But no one knew that at the time. Everyone thought he was in the house hiding out. And so you had people outside, Brian, screaming, Brian, where's Gabby? Where's Gabby? Yeah. Dude's not there. And the police didn't have anything to arrest him for, which I think they should have arrested him for stealing her van because the van was in her name, but they didn't. And he's in. Yep. And he's in the house and has all this time. Yeah. There's a missing girl. You don't go on holidays and have your girlfriend missing for three weeks and people are not suspicious of you. I understand yeah. you can't just go and arrest somebody right. for no reason, but if they were really looking to find something, they could have like brought him in for questioning or or arrested him, brought him in on on the van.
0: Like I I don't know. I mean, I think he was smart in getting the lawyer because it definitely pro- like prolonged the time because the, the lawyer
6: had
1: to
0: yeah. go about it more of a cuz if he didn't have a lawyer, they would have just gone to his house and be like hey, we want to talk to Brian, blah, blah, blah. And the family would have been like, oh, well, he's not here. They would have had to have said that. But when you have a lawyer, they then have to go through your lawyer to talk I
1: to him I also you. think the lawyer is a piece of shit because he's hindering the investigation. <laughs> that
0: is, in general, a defense attorney for you. <laughs> <laughs> because they always <laughs> defend people, possibly guilty, sometimes innocent, but yet, they do it.
1: But I, no, I get that, but there's a line. And I think he's, like, done some sketchy shit during you know, this investigation.
0: Well, look, remember all the defense attorneys for serial killers and rapists and murderers over the year, like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how anyone in good conscience could do that, um, but.
0: People have done it. Ex-presidents that were lawyers. Ex-president <clears throat> spouses who were lawyers have defended rapists and murderers. That's insane. I know. So,
1: we're waiting on cause of death now. That'll be the next thing to come out. And we're also waiting to find out where Brian Laundrie is. I think he's either left the country. Yeah. You and I both think he left the country. Or he has killed himself. Because once the manner of death was released as homicide... I think that probably pushed him to make whatever decision he was going to make. Because if the manner of death came back as accidental, he probably would have come back and and told the truth, knowing that he wasn't going to, you know, serve. He wasn't going to be charged with first degree murder, for example. And the death penalty, if this is a first degree murder uh, charge, the death
0: penalty is on the table in Florida. I think you have to show premeditation to get the death penalty. So, I don't know that they'll go for that or if they'll tr- if they would have tried to make a deal. Well,
1: first-degree murder insinuates premeditation. <clears throat> so, if it's a first-degree murder charge, death penalty. Yeah. If it's second-degree murder or manslaughter, then no, but he still possibly is going to do 25 years to life yeah. for for second-degree murder. Yeah. So, I'm thinking if they ruled it as ox- if they had ruled it as accidental, then it could have been a different situation. I think once that yeah. came out that it was homicide and now there's a manhunt for this murderer, they still haven't named him a, a suspect yet. He's just a person of interest. And he's a missing person. He's not a suspect on the run. He's, you know, not on America's Most Wanted.
0: He's just a person of interest who is missing. Come on. Actually, when they issued the arrest warrant for him, then he became a person on the run. A federal
1: arrest warrant was issued on Wednesday for Laundrie in relation to charges that he accessed unauthorized access devices. And the indictment alleges he used an unauthorized debit
2: card following Petito's death. Tonight, a federal arrest warrant has been issued for Brian Laundrie after a grand jury indictment. Investigators now five days into the massive manhunt earlier today brian's parents seen leaving their florida home under police escort The Ford Mustang, they say their son drove to the reserve and left there, returned after police towed it away earlier this week. With an extensive search coming up empty, mounting questions about what directions authorities will go next. To never get caught, he has to be absolutely perfect, make no mistakes. For law enforcement to find him, he just has to make a mistake once.
1: So Brian, or Brian's parents informed the cops, oh, he's not here when they went to talk to him on September 17th, and he's been supposedly in in the Carlton Reserve. However, the police have literally the sheriff's office. You can go online and you can watch the radar and you can see the flight tracker is the chopper is going in circles over the same area over and over again, like they Bust have some kind of evidence. They've spent like over a million dollars on these search efforts for him over the last couple of weeks. And I feel like they have information that he is definitely in there. I don't know. Like, if he had killed himself, for example, their thermal imaging would no longer be relevant. Mm -hmm. Right? So, like, they must be, like, looking for... They must have intel that he's in there somewhere. Or they must have seen him on a trail cam or something. Um, there are a bunch of people coming out with like sightings of Brian Laundry, and there's actually this isn't funny but like people are now saying like hashtag where's baldo because they're like <laughs> honestly it is a okay, real rough time happen. it's funny there but is it's a real rough time to be like a bald bald white man right now with a beard like everyone's gonna think you're brian laundry on the run exactly and now with like masks and stuff it's 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 gonna be hard yeah it's gonna be easy for him to Mm -hmm. like blend into society because other than his hand tattoos he really doesn't have any identifying features yeah there was a um There was a trail cam that picked up somebody walking through the woods in the middle of the night, which is, like, suspicious. Yeah. And you can see in that photo, which we've put on our Instagram page, we want you guys to vote on our poll. But basically, this man has a freaking, like, necklace with, like, a tiger tooth on it. Yeah. And that's Brian's, like, favorite necklace that he wore all the time. And I'm like, that's freaking him. That's freaking him. I know the face looks distorted, but you have to remember, it's a night vision camera. In the woods. It's it's not going to make
0: out his full face. Okay. And you
1: have to pay attention. Do be you know attention- how many men
0: that like to go on hikes and wear Jesus sandals wear tiger tooth necklaces? A lot. Not if you're bald and people are yep, looking most for. Most of them a- are bald. So they said the FBI is like alleging. The reason his warrant is out is that he knowingly and with intent to defraud used one or more unauthorized access devices, namely a Capital One bank debit card and personal identification numbers for two accounts. So basically they're saying he's using Gabby's bank info, which is really shady because like if you did murder her and we all think you did, you're now using her bank info. Mm -hmm. Like the girl's dead. You killed her. And it wasn't good enough that you did that. Now you're going to go use her debit card. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. (laughs) It's definitely... It's
1: definitely going to be interesting to follow where this case goes next. We're going to keep you guys updated on our Instagram page um, with, you know, as things come out and as things unfold. Mm -hmm. Um, Super sad story. Gabby actually used to live in our town Mm -hmm. and... Um, she used to work at a restaurant close you know, by, and um, they have a little memorial set up for her there, and, a, you know, a table reserved with flowers, and it's just, I mean, it's
0: it does kind of hit close to wild. home, because she knew a lot of people and that we knew, and,
1: so um,
0: you know, she, she lived kinda here. That's kind of why we decided to choose to go ahead and update on it, even though it's still, like, ongoing.
1: Right. It's just, it's one of those things where it kind of touches you, it touches your heart, and it's it's personal a little mm-hmm. bit, because... You have a little bit of a tie to the case, and um, you just are so sad for the loss of this young 22-year-old girl who had so much ahead of her and all had all these dreams and was really living her life, and then her life was taken from her. Mm -hmm. It's just so upsetting. We hope you guys have a great week. Keep Gabby and her family in your prayers. If you have any information on the homicide of Gabby Petito or the whereabouts of Brian Laundrie, call -CALL 1-800-CALL-FBI, which is 1-800-225-5324 or you can submit a tip online at fbi.gov
5: tips. Oh, she's hilarious. And she always made me laugh, always. And she's easygoing. She's like, hey, I love nature. Hey, camping, why not? Much as I know Gabby and feel like I know Brian, you just never know when it comes to relationships. I've never felt a pain like this. I've always described her as this light, you know? She's just, she'll do everything to bring the light out in you. And if she can't, she'll give you some of hers. We will get justice for her no matter what.